Uh, how are y'all doing? Sleepy? <laughs> it sounds a little sleepy. Can I get like a big round of applause for Empowered real fast? <laughs> oh, how was it? How was it? Okay. Here, I guess. Cool. So um, obviously, we've got Adam Warren here on the panel, creator of Empowered, uh, writer of the One Shots, uh, like the definitive Dirty Pair artist. Is that fair to say, Brandon? Yeah. That's yeah. not even up for debate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to his left, Carla Speed McNeil, uh, creator of Finder, co-creator of No Mercy with Alex DeCampi. Uh, don't get applauded after artist. every name I say. Let's hear some noise. Uh, amazing artists. If you're not familiar with their work, uh, go to the Dark Horse booth and pick up Finder and just like flip through real fast and then just give them your money. Uh, to her left, we've got Cheryl Lynn Eaton, who is the number one empowered fan in yes. the world. And Dirty Pair fan too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but she's a long time uh, Warren fan. She's writing comics now that we'll find out about in a couple weeks. No, uh, Kelly Sue already made the announcement. Oh, she made the announcement? Well, you say yeah. it. Yeah, and so what are you working on? Um, a short story coming out in Bitch Planet. It's going to be like an anthology. you got to talk into the mic. Oh, that's project. She's new. <laughs> project. So it's, it's my, in my first gig, and it's a, a short story. Um, I'm working with Maria Froelich, who's like an amazing, I hope I'm not butchering her last name, uh, who's an amazing artist. Um, Conley Lyons is doing uh, one of the uh, the books as well. Um, the uh, Andrew Iden, am I pronouncing his name? Aiden? From Mar Aiden, yeah. uh, from March, he's doing a short story, and so it's going to be a collected volume, and that's cool. Welcome to the party. Thank you. Uh, and to her left, we've got Brandon Graham, the creator of King City, Multiple Warheads, editor of Island. Uh, what am I forgetting? Uh, I'm also number one Dirty Pair fan, I believe. No, no, no. <laughs> I am. The one. So like, this is going to end in a bloodbath, like, 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 is yeah, what yeah. we're saying. I've, and I've known Cheryl since she was a teenager. Yes. Yeah, also true. Yes, we met at 19. Um, oh. But yeah, so we're here just to kind of celebrate Empowered and Adam's work and kind of pick his brain and share our opinions on the series. Uh, my name is David Brothers. I'm also an Adam Warren fan. The number three Adam Warren. <laughs> <laughs> don't give in so soon. I don't want to get killed. <laughs> but so, Adam, the origin of Empowered is uh, very well trod ground. Like, you were doing commissions, you were like, oh, I could put a story in here and like, like these a little more. Yeah, I mean, pretty much at a point when my career was essentially dead. Mm -hmm. oh. in, my, in my line of work, they, they don't send you an email letting you know that you. you that you're unemployable, you just are kind yeah. of unemployable. <laughs> uh, I was taking a lot of commissions of, of, uh, of a kind of damsel in distress nature, which are about as innocuous a form of semi-porny thing as you can do. Yeah. There's no actual nudity. <laughs> it's theoretically, it's an acceptable trope within superhero comics to begin with. So, But I became bored with it almost immediately because it's so numbingly repetitive mm -hmm. that uh, I have friends that do this for a living and it's like, wow, that... I just can't imagine coping with it, so I just started imagining what it, what goes through the mind of somebody that has to kind of put up with this kind of crap on a daily basis, and and it sort of kind of kind of grew into a real comic when I when I wasn't when I wasn't anticipating it. And now ten volumes, what is that like two thousand pages later? Yeah, something like that. Plus the the guest artist stuff, that's another two hundred something pages. Yeah. So that's it's a pretty good achievement. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention I drew a guest issue. Oh yeah, that. that's oh, something right. else he did. Uh, I think that might put you slightly above Cheryl on the fan. Yeah, where's no, your guest I don't, issue? I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> but I was, so, I was why, did, why did you go to Dark Horse with the book? Uh, What's no, the story I, there? Well, it's just that I was, I was sending out the, the early sketches that would become empowered to a bunch of friends and editors. 
and uh, my editor on Dirty Power, uh, Chris Warner, was interested in it, and uh, and they had good at the time good mar book market penetration. So I was mm -hmm. kind of interested in trying to get to the book market with it, which ironically didn't happen until recently, <laughs> because. Actually, empowered sales have gone down in the direct market, but gone up in the book market. They've oh. actually crossed, and now we now sell more in the book than the direct, which is a little worrisome, but, nah. but kind of fun. I think that's kind of cool, too, because it's, it means you're reaching like an audience that's not the traditional comics audience. Mm. Like, there's some merit there, I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, it is such a kind of off-putting concept to begin with, but, yeah. uh, but I'm, glad it can, I'm glad it can skate. But... Uh, to think there's something else I was going to bring up. Yeah, yeah. we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah. um, Carla, what's your relationship with Adam? What brings you to this panel today? Um, I've been reading Dumbo stuff here for such a <laughs> very long time, and uh, you know he's 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 always been one of the best dynamic artists in the business. Mm. Uh, every line that he puts down he calls these things roughs ha 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 you know but uh but but every line every angle even when anatomy starts to become slightly distorted as is still so powerfully alive you know i i know that there are loads of people who love superhero comics for their dynamism but to my eye most of them the artist the art depicting that dynamism doesn't actually have it and uh, an off and very few artists who 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 draw the the fight scenes, you know, you can't tell what's actually happening. Yes, someone's getting hit, someone's falling over, someone's exploding or being turned into a rhino or whatever. Got that? But not <laughs> until I picked up his books was I kind of like, okay, yeah, all right. I actually recognized that, vaguely recognized that uh, that that martial arts technique. And yes, this leg goes that way, and bam, and boom, and wow, hang on, and. Um, in the midst of all of that, you know, I come to understand that there weren't an awful lot of people working in comics that had any time whatsoever for science fiction. Uh, presented in terms of an idea being spun out to its logical or sometimes illogical conclusions and allowing a plot to follow naturally from those conclusions. That, for me, is my definition of science fiction and the only people that I knew of doing this in comics were him and me, which you know, since reading his stuff made my, you know, made my brain start churning out other ideas, which is my reaction to a, a story that I like, you know, it, it seemed only natural that, uh, you know, I should just, you know, follow his, his work obsessively, which I, I do. <laughs> um, and, you know, which there, there are things that, you know, I, I follow his work to learn from, quite frankly. Uh -huh. uh, Cheryl, what brought you to Empowered? Um. The first, well, what brought me to Empowered is just I've always been a fan of his work since The Dirty Pair. Um, I like Lady Duo, so that was the thing. And I stuck around because Adam is just funny. Mm -hmm. And he's so good at conveying humor. And a lot of, this is going to sound terrible, but a lot, of people, terrible. <laughs> a lot of people aren't as funny as they think they are. They're not as good at <laughs> conveying humor <laughs> as they think they are. And you have... I'm like standing Adam right here. And, and someone like Brandon or someone like Steve Lieber who is just, a these are comedic geniuses where they, mm -hmm. they are just really, and I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not saying this ever again after this table, so don't <laughs> even try it. But they're just very, they're just very, very funny. And that's why I stuck around and that's why I follow Adam's work. Also, he's, you know, he's a great artist, but he's a great sto storyteller too. Mm -hmm. And that's what's it is not everybody I'm that blushing. can take that idea and actually make a whole story out of it, for heaven's sake. 
Uh, Brandon, what about you? Uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat with Cheryl here that I just... Uh, I'm totally copying her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I did it like her, but better. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, when I was, I think I figured it out the other day. When I was 12, I bought the first issue of Dirty Pair right when it came out. Wow. So your first your comic old. was, I, I don't I think, I've, I've not, like a crazy person, I've not purchased a book of Adams that he wrote and drew um, mostly on the day they come out. Since uh, I, I think I bought the first empowered, empowered volume a little later than it came out, like a month or something, but wow, but yeah, it's uh, and and it's um, <laughs> I don't know, I feel like the work's really grown with me. It's it's interesting because I think his work, uh, it's something that I often have to have a conversation with people about before they read it because, um, and I feel like I've talked to you about this, Adam, about how um. He does a lot of techniques in his work that are meant to woo the audience, but in some ways it's almost like um, there's like Empower is a really fascinating book because the ideas like the like he's obviously a, like he's a very well read and and there's really well thought out like 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 science fiction ideas in there, but the concept does not sell that to you that there's going to be interesting science fiction and I'm always really fascinated because I I do think superhero comics have been ground into the ground and there's not a lot there to be done with them and it's fascinating the ways in this joke comic that you found new ways just just what happens when you take something that's sold as just like oh this is how it works in this in this fantasy superhero comic and 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 then you think of it through through someone who's who's reading um, actual books and um, and the logic of, of where one thing would go to the next and how weird that can get mm. is really is really fascinating to me. Can I interrupt and piggyback off of that? Because when you say there's not a lot of ground in superhero comics, I think some of the ground that Adam covers is that he, it's cultural commentary and you don't see that right. in yeah. like the mainstream books. It's just like, I'm just Because that's punch a bigger taboo than sex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's also another thing that drew me in. And I think draws Or self-awareness, I guess, in superhero comics. Mm -hmm. something. Even because there is, I feel like there is a lot of modern superhero comics that read very differently. You have things that almost are like spun out of kind of Joss Whedon style of writing. And so they're kind of, you know, you get things like Matt Fraction's Hawkeye or whatever that are very like jokey and self-aware, but not, they don't go past that where they're kind of self-aware of being self-aware, which I think Adam's work does. Yeah. <laughs> if it's not just all the way into the line That's of self-conscious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Very self-conscious. No, I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you because, you know, for years I did not understand that part of the reason I couldn't get into a lot of superhero comics, and I have found many that I like now, is because I did not understand that they're not science fiction, mm -hmm. most of them. Certainly not the old school stuff. Um, you know, there's been a lot more a lot more, you know, sort of flow of science fiction into them in the last, you know, 10 years or so. Uh, but I didn't understand that at their roots, most of them are not. They're, you know, they're, they're fables, they're, you know, uh, they're morality plays, they're, uh, you know, I, I, I don't even want to say that they're, uh, that they're, they're, they're fantasies, although there is certainly a very strong element of fantasy in them. Um, but, you know, I just assumed that all of these things like, you know, Peter Parker's spider powers and stuff like that, you know, were actually based on science fiction <laughs> concepts, and they're not. Mm -hmm. They're so not. <laughs> but they can still be very good storytelling in spite of that, in spite of that fact. Right. The fact that I expected them to be something that is different from what they actually are was, was what gave me a sort of a cognitive dissonance that I wasn't even aware of at the time. Um, and then along comes Warren, and he's doing it from a science fiction pr mm. perspective, and I was just kind of like, okay, I'm good with this. 
I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm better with an awful lot of, a lot of books now that I, I, I think I understand them and what they're going for better, but um, it's still different. I'm really interested if Adam, do you read a lot of science fiction work and, and try to kind of deconstruct it to come up with weird things that become commentary on that? Uh, to a degree. I mean, it's more, more of kind of, it kind of spills out of the kind of taking kind of, because actually what, what, one, of my, one of my dubious gifts is I can, I can take really stupid ideas and overthink them into the ground. Yay! <laughs> like virtually everything I've worked on is kind of like that. Like the, the dirty pair is kind of a really dumb concept, I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. Tell them the translation story. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yes. Because when I saw Dirty Pair, it was long before the era of translation, so I just saw, I just you know, didn't understand it, but it you know, struck me visually. I mean, it was a great kind of idea. Love the characters, and uh, or what I perceived about the characters, about the translation. Then years later, I saw I translated a couple episodes of the Dirty Pair, and I was like, there must be some mistake. Because, Garçon, please. Because uh, a new translation. This is uh, this is really stupid. That, that can't be because my vision of the characters is entirely different. They were having sparkling repartee. It was sharp. It was crisp. Uh, like it, I mean, this, there's a, clearly a problem, an error. That and no, there was not. Because they were just calling each other fat. And, uh, I got you know, a. Uh, they're, they're arguing about which uh, sailor they, they each get. But um, I argue I. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh. Oh, I want to get back to the, uh, oh, the no, taboo. Before, I, I just remembered I'm an yeah. idiot, sorry. Uh, I, uh, I just got an email from someone the other day that it was just a Twitter message or someone where, where they're like, you're always talking about Appleseed, and, and I picked up some issues, and it must be a bad translation because this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> this is terrible. Yeah, and I was like, nope, that's the right one. <laughs> you just have to read it's, it since you're 14 every week. There's, there's so much, there, there's so many comics that are like that. I mean, I desperately love so much Bon Dessine, mm. and I love them so much more when I didn't understand them. Yeah, that's because my, the artwork is so beautiful, and the stories are just kind of like, what? That's the cruel thing I like to say is, is uh, I'll be like, oh man, this is a great comic. I wish I had it in Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> Um, on the taboo front, we mentioned like sex is a taboo and cultural commentary is a taboo. Uh, Cheryl would like to ask a question about butts that relates oh to Oh my God, butts. put me on the spot uh -oh. now. No, okay. talk about butts, talk about butts. Well, the interesting thing is I, um, I've reread uh, episode, volume one, and um, I was thinking about when you started, um, what is the ideal female form has changed rapidly in America during that time, and now Emp is. Mm. that ideal female form. Oh, yeah. And huh. what's interesting to I guess what's interesting to me, I, I wonder, is that going to... Can you talk I, about America's anaconda as a What? <laughs> okay, a we'll, we'll get into that. Well, I mean, when I first started reading Empowered, I was just like, what's the problem here? Because I, you know, that's what you're aiming for, you know? <laughs> so I had to, like, pull back and be like, okay, well, maybe she comes from a different background, a different, you know, so she's not, mm. she's more insecure or she... She doesn't see herself in that way. Mm. Um, but I thought was interesting, um, what I was talking to David about in um, reviewing volume one was the, um, how differently Sister Spooky approaches it. Because when she actually sold her soul for the hotness, mm. her first words were, 
oh my god, I have a booty now. Look at that. It's Bam. like a slap. <laughs> They're like two totally, mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, yeah. different approaches, different desires. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I want to know. If and they basically is. have the same butt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's all like, you know, wha-pow. And, uh, and Imp is just kind of like, oh, stupid harem. <laughs> stupid harem anyway. But so I wonder, is that, is the culture going to affect her where she, Imp is going to be, I guess, more secure in her body and I guess view herself the way Thug Boy views her, which he was just like, this is not an issue at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that is kind of a, that is kind of, I mean, it's fairly subtle over the, over the series that, that she really has kind of become more comfortable with her body. And actually, mm-hmm. it's kind of a retroactive thing in volume 10 is that, I, that I, I've, had, I've kind of had her kind of acknowledging that she's kind of gotten kind of softer and kind of, and kind of heavier over the time because she's, she's way less obsessed with, with the kind of, she would have had, it didn't depict them, but she would have had food issues mm. and, and a number of other things like that. So I started, I started drawing her kind of a bit, a bit different. A bit softer. A bit. I, was, I was trying to differentiate her from like Spooky's body is supposed to be idealized. It's mm-hmm. literally magical. Right. And Ninjet is an athlete. Right. So she would have a different physique. So I was trying to, I was trying to kind of separate them, or, or either that or I'm <coughs> rationalizing that being the case. No, <laughs> it's, it's true. In the very early volumes of Empowered, I mean, even her ribcage is extremely small. Wow. And uh, the, the, the way you've elected to draw her over the years has evolved really quite a bit in subtle ways. And, uh, you know, now she is, she is very plump compared to where, the way she was originally drawn. Yeah. Yeah, oh, thumbs up. I, I just want to cut it for one second. Because... I think what was interesting, I, I remember uh, talking to you about that, is you see with like the workouts with uh, Ninjet, she is getting stronger, mm-hmm. and that is going to have an effect on her body, but mm-hmm. you did not go immediately to the, all right, she's going to lose 50 pounds now, yeah. because you can be no. strong yeah. and still have that layer of body fat oh, yeah. and still do your job. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so I like the fact that M kind of retained that like full figure, mm-hmm. you know, but she, now you can see that there's muscle on your knee. You mm-hmm. know? Because yeah, I've had some people already complaining about, is she pregnant? Really? No. <laughs> no. Why is she so fat? Yeah, I figured I like, you were going to have to listen to that. Yeah, every that, time. Because that is actually one thing that uh, that is, is tricky for, for Amp that, uh, that I've never acknowledged in the comic, but it is in, in one of my side. I've been working on doing some prose stuff with Amp that's never been... That, uh, I actually have been secretly. Don't tease. <laughs> no, I mean I'll probably release it this year because I'll never it. finish it. But a while ago, uh, I read some some really crappy book on Hurry. negative inspiration for some <laughs> some highly blurbed book by some YA author I've never heard of about the females. It sounded like an empowered scenario, mm-hmm. so I picked it up. It was heavily blurbed, had and not just from authors. because author blurbs are about. worthless. Yeah, I mean they're whores. They're, we're, we're log rolling like. <laughs> I mean, it's you can't trust us. If you see a thing that's all author blurbs, mm-hmm. you got a problem. But, but, uh, that's true. but, I was, but this book, this book was awful. Yes. I mean, unreadable, was, un, like spectacular. And and I don't even like writing prose, but I like writing tweets. So, it, <laughs> so I actually started doing a thing in Em's voice. That's that's, but it's, it's her all in, in Twitter format. And I actually have her account set aside and ready to go someday. And <laughs> and I actually brainstorm this kind of. I don't, know, I don't know how many hundreds of pages it is, but it's, it's kind of a, a kind of kind of fragmented sort of novella about her early or like first year or less that's as a cool. superhero that I'll someday pose. Oh, that but, sounds cool. But one oh, of the I things from that. that is that she hates working out without the suit. So, so that in theory she could get better results 
from you know, kind of manual exercise, but but she's like a god with a suit. Uh, it's and, more fun. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, yeah. It, she just kind of can't do this. It, it, it's kind of the kind of the kind of stuff that would give her a more idealized form. So I figured, like, screw that. I have so. a totally unfounded Bill and Ted idea that she sent herself the suit back from the future. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Way to spoil volume 20. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, that's probably one of the cutest outfits you've ever drawn her in with a little toothbrush hanging out of her mouth. Oh, right. <laughs> FedEx form with this, you know, a super suit in. Like, what the fuck is this? That's right. Mm. Was it that FedEx was or was it like a parody? FedEx or oh, it was, like it was actually FedEx uh, censored. Okay. Because I was, I was tired of doing fake things. Like, yeah. I love like, the fake <laughs> well, after the after I just, after I decided, I don't know if I could refer to YouTube. Like, you know, that, they might come after me. Like, but you I know, I once uh, at Drones did a porn comic with Mickey Mouse in it, and I was just thinking, like, <coughs> there's a there's something great about just being like, no one. Um, I mean, you're you're in bookstores now, but I think I had that idea that <laughs> in it, plastic, it hit me. Nobody nobody cared. Yeah, that's a, that's always frustrating too. <laughs> Yeah, the plastic doesn't help. I mean, because actually, the, the weird thing about it, uh, power being shrink wrapped, is up until the last freaking moment, like we thought it wasn't going to be shrink wrapped. Mm-hmm. Then Dark Horse Legal was like, the reason why it's shrink wrapped is not because of the sexual content per se, because there's no nothing explicit. We never have actual nudity, mm-hmm. but it's because of the superhero connection. That oh, because they would assume because every, every, everyone is afraid of the angry mom. Oh, there's no. much fear about the angry Oklahoma mother, and we've I personally have had issues with that. I had it. She's really upset. Gen th- <laughs> literally, my Gen 13 bootleg covers were waved around on camera by an angry Oklahoman mom. Oh, wow. wow. But, you know, bam, pow, comics aren't just for kids anymore. They're sexy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I understood, but we came this close to not being shrink wrapped. What was so the Gen 13 bootleg cover? Uh, it, was the, it was the one that had the... The Hot Wheels? Yeah, okay. the Hot Wheels. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah, it had an, it had an image of, 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 grun, of grunge uh, about to be punched in the face while a, with a Hot Wheel track around his neck. But in the background, a naked Caitlin and Roxy kind of tied up with, with, uh, with Hot Wheel tracks in reference to the Jaime Hernandez kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. always joked about that. Jaime yeah. Hernandez is, is like inadvertently like influenced. I always think... Wouldn't Frank Miller say that he did the female Robin because Jaime Hernandez did a pinup of female I've Robin? I've heard that, yeah. Oh, wow. and it's it was like that. And in, it might have been John Byrne did the female Robin pinup. What's that? Like, I don't I want to Burn credit John Byrne. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he does comics. Jaime had the idea. Byrne brought it to Miller's attention. Okay. There we go. Ah, nice. That makes sense. Uh-huh. Clarification. That's how the magic happens. Yeah. Uh, but So Adam sent me a lot of slides. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Soldier of Love. Oh, yeah, this is the new thing that uh, just came out a couple weeks ago. Three-shoe miniseries called Empowered and the Soldier of Love. Super funny. Which Amp tangles with a, a mercenary magical girl, or disillusioned and embittered mercenary magical girl, who uses her Sailor Moon-style love powers for evil. <laughs> or at least, well, not, not that evil, but... But the problem is... It's kind of like if shippers could actually make everybody fall in love the way they want them to. And that's exactly what is going on. And and it turns out you can wreak a lot of havoc in a superhero universe with love powers. And these are the next two covers by by Chilean webcomic artist Carla Diaz, who's done some really kind of fun stuff. Yeah, these covers are crazy. Because I was interested in... How is she from Chile when that art's so hot? (laughs) Oh, you're the worst! (laughs) Mm-hmm. Like, tease if you want, say you can't reveal whatever. Right. But what would Ninja have a broken heart about? Ooh. 
Ooh. It actually Ooh. ties into the 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 previous uh, one, the, the one shot nine beers of Ninjet. Because okay. it turns out that I I barely realized when I was working it up that 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 Ninjet is really vulnerable to love powers in regards to a, one issue, and you will see what that issue it's, is. It's Thug Boy. Okay. It's got to be Thug Boy. No, no, it's not Thug Boy. But it was like, but it became a whole kind of thing. And actually, it it does deliver some emo content at the very end because because I had a lot of people complaining that it, I didn't get deliver you the, the full empowered sort of emotional gamut yes. in the one shot, which is true. It's, it's kind of hard to do. You didn't yeah. play the emo card. But I play the emo card pretty fucking hard in, okay. in this one. Right. So in the last in the last act, it uh, the soldier of love kind of kind of. Uh, Finds out the hard way that you don't necessarily want to screw with everyone when yeah. it comes to love and stuff. Uh, does she use that rifle in the comic? Don't kill uh, I'm trying to think. She definitely it that's doesn't actually have the Barrett form. Yeah, but. I was gonna say like that's like an anti-tank rifle. <laughs> like that's well. a, that's a lot for Cupid. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, ba well, it turns out basically mild spoiler, I suppose, is that the that that's her her uh, magical assault wand of love. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's I think great. I saw one of those in an army surplus place. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and kind of at the end like of it, didn't go blue at the end of it, uh, in the last arc, the soldier figures out a way to sort of kind of use superhero technology to kind of, kind of take her, her goal. Her, she's, in fact, fighting a global war on love because <laughs> she, she is completely disillusioned and embittered by, it, by the concept of love and wants to eradicate it wherever possible. And I like the shenanigans ensue. I really relate to that. Um, and, and that's some more interior pages of Carla Welcome Diaz's back. kind of beautiful color work. Uh, why did you choose to do the guest issues in color as opposed to black and white? Ah, uh, just because the color pretty, co yeah. color pretty, <laughs> color sells better usually. Yeah. And like I prefer to, I'd prefer to be working in color actually myself, but it's too complicated and difficult because I don't have the skill set to do it myself, and our and a budget on empowered on my normal stuff isn't high enough for me to pay an outside colorist. So. Mm -hmm. I prefer to work with like web comics people who have the whole skill set like Carla does to be able to do the whole thing. I was going to ask, did she color this too? It's, this looks crazy. That's so some beautiful good. stuff. Is that what kind of animal is that? A pangolin? A pangolin. Yeah. Or pangolin, how they're pronounced. Cool. But because yeah, I actually asked on Twitter like, can anybody come up with a mascot that's cute but non-traditional for this magical girl to have? And somebody suggested a pangolin, so we have a pink pangolin. Cool. Worked at Senor Pangolin, actually, <laughs> because the 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 Soldier of Love is a or is a international international magical girl of mystery, because I wanted to take advantage of working with a with a Chilean artist. So she she uh, she, she and Senor Pangolin speak Spanish. Have so. you got any plans to no do a caged demon wolf one <laughs> shot? That problem, but uh, uh, no actual plans for that. No. That'd be so heavily dialogue-based. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to get away from dialogue-based stuff for the most part. That would just be a novel at that point. Yeah, <laughs> it would. Well, he had a life beforehand. He did, actually. I mean, there were there were stuff I get into with him eventually. But yeah, when he's just stuck in the belt, or it's not a belt. Why do I keep repeating that? <laughs> like everybody calls it the belt. Now right. I started to pick up it? on it. It's a it's a piece of alien bondage well, gear. Yeah, I know that. But it's not but really it's, a belt. It's just. But it sits all rolled up like a belt. It looks, yeah, <laughs> well, I it mean, looks like your dad's belt that he flung down after well, he got home. I, just, I just did that because it, it it was easier to do yeah, than Adam, having. Adam, can we talk to your dad about that belt? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have go. one last soldier of love question. Right. Does she do the uh, the Ojo Sama laugh? The uh, I do not. 
te- Are you technically, do laugh, yes, David? at one point. Okay. But I'm not, I didn't actually use the, oh, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> and well, she just laughs. She doesn't do the, the hand gesture. <laughs> yeah. Or, what is that kind of the... With the pinky and like... It's like covering her mouth. <laughs> but her hand's but, not in front of her mouth. No, she doesn't quite have the... Yeah. Right thing. All the details <laughs> though, though, Actually, I should say that that's when the, the claymores of love are exploding in that next to last panel. <laughs> nice. Claymores of love. And what she's saying is... Love wins, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> or love wins, mother black bar. Uh, well, just the claymore. Okay, well that'll do. That'll <laughs> <right>. <laughs> and empowered volume ten. And, that, yes! and that's coming out, coming out in June, the next our next volume. And, and as the cover, not much of a spoiler, she does finally get promoted to full time <laughs> super homie status. And we've got some uh, pages from that too. Oh, nice. Which probably, which my format does not like repro terribly well. But no, it looks good. It's the angle. Yeah. Oh yeah, because we can't see them from this yeah, angle. Yeah, exactly. uh, was last night. Uh, <laughs> what do y'all think? It looks good. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Do you use mm-hmm. the same colors for the covers? What's that? Do you use the same colorist for the covers? Uh, no, it's all over the place. Oh. Huh. But uh, yeah, like yeah, that was. I think this was my, my friend Roboto was. I think <laughs> Rob Porter was the. the latest colorist on that because it, 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 there's been wildly inconsistent coloring issues over the over the years but uh, like wildly inconsistent I the hair toss like actually honestly the whole left hand page is just so out of control like <laughs> and, and you'll recognize that or you might recognize that that's a straight rip from uh, the what's Michael thing with the oh the, when they, when they have these, these the, uh, three club girls are walking down the street doing the, and this is a direct ripoff of that. Is that What's Michael or the other series that that guy did? Oh, shit, you're right. Yes, yes Club Nine. Sorry. Right. I've but, seen that. Uh, are you all familiar with What's Michael? Or Club Nine. Is or Club Nine. Far more obscure. Yeah. Um, so I think Dark Horse and Studio Proteus put What's Michael out yeah, yeah. in the late 90s, early 2000s. It's basically just about, like, cats. Cat. Yeah. Uh, he does the thriller dance in one episode. There's in uh, there's a chapter where Dracula breaks into a lady's house and like he's looming over her neck, and then he looks to the side and the cat is right there like staring at him. And he's like, oh my bad, never mind. Like I'm just gonna leave. <laughs> it's extremely funny. You should and definitely check it Club out. Club Nine's really bizarre because it, isn't it? It's about basically like a. What are they called? It's just like a, a club in in Japan where people will go. Yeah, a hostess to, club. A hostess oh. club where they go to just hang out with women that that uh, they buy drinks for. And it's about a woman who's like a, she's like a small town girl who goes and works at one of those places. But the way the translator decided to do it is to give her a heavy southern accent. Yeah, really <laughs> that, that, was a, that was an edgy Ooh. move that Torin took a lot of heat for. Okay, yeah, because it just, yeah. it really threw me off. Because <laughs> she's oh, like, konnichiwa, was... y'all. Oh, no. <laughs> well, well, actually, actually, actually an obscure, obscure bit of Dirty Pair original novel thing is that that's Yuri's background. Wow. The, the, is it she's from she's, a, a she's from the equivalent girl? of Osaka oh, okay. or, what, or not, even more remote than that nice. and 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 fame and uh, one of the dirty bear novels apparently actually has has uh, has her run into like an old boyfriend who's like well yeehaw it ain't my little old Yuri <laughs> <laughs> you know, the equivalent oh, no. Japanese, so. oh. yeah Right, so bizarre. Um, oh, do y'all wow. hear this jo- Joni Mitchell concert in the other room? <laughs> it kind of sounds like it. Uh, oh, it's Spooky's new hairdo. Style. Yeah, it's so good. Oh, I was just talking to Cheryl about you. that. Oh, uh, yeah. Tell us about redesigning Sister Spooky. Well, it's just like uh, I 
kind of felt I'd kind of reached an end point on the kind of old design. I wanted to, I felt she would try to make a change, so I yeah. worked up some new reference, and I kind of liked the way it worked out. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's funny is my first thought was like, oh shit, Adam Warren's drawing Spike Trotman in Twin Towers. <laughs> <laughs> Embrace the badass. Yeah. But it's so cool. Um, no, Frohawks are eternal. They will always be. Yes, I agree. I was thinking it's more Sophie Campbell. Like, Oh yeah, I could see that too. Oh, With the nose. Yeah. When's Sophie going to do an Empower? Oh my goodness. Oh my yes. <laughs> yes. When is Sophie going to do one? Oh, actually, love, my, new, my new fan fiction uh, idea, well, aside from Carla doing one, is the idea of... Um, what a concept. Yeah. Is the idea of uh, Terry Dodson. Oh, wow. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we, were, we were going to work together a long time ago on a cliffhanger. I actually had him lined up a cliffhanger for him years and years ago, nice. but it kind of fell through. But mm. the thing is, I'm mainly interested in trying to do longer format stuff with the guest artist thing, so the one shots were too limited. Because so. mm-hmm. our next follow-up after uh, Soldier of Love is a as yet unannounced and, in fact, unapproved yet. <laughs> kind of, It's going to be a six-part miniseries oh, that, nice. that covers a lot more territory and does involve Spooky and okay. Amp. So. Cool. Um, I've point, got, oh, go I was going to ask, at this point, does anything empowered did not get improved? <laughs> uh, if I put, I'm sure I could find a way to push it so it wouldn't be right. approved. Because so. I imagine yeah, it's just like... A popping comic. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, cake crushing. Cake crushing, or cake yeah. Cake yeah. Or... Uh, Brandon would dibs that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot more questions, Stop but y'all are here for empowered. Does anyone want to ask a question? We've got a mic uh, in the center aisle. I saw you back there, too. You can line up if you like. Hey, Adam. Hmm. I've always been curious about how you, you write from a, a female perspective protagonist very well. Can you talk a little bit about your process of how you kind of tap into that? Because it, it seems very genuine and not something that would come naturally to other men. For He's example. a girl. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, I don't know. It's just that... It's just that I don't, I don't really know shit, but I, tr- I try to use what, what little I know, I, I use as vigorously as possible. I mean, because actually the thing is, like, I, I get, bo- uh, like, I, I know guys, I am a guy, uh, I, there's nothing that, in, uh, there's nothing sort of bold or different from me about writing a kind of a ma- most male protagonist. Because there's a lot of, a lot of comics or a lot of writers write themselves, basically, and like, even I am bored with me at this point. <laughs> I could not imagine. So it's like trying to do a female protagonist kind of adds a whole different level of challenge to it, and and just it's it's more the it's more interesting to me than my own mentality. So and I did a lot of interviews and and kind of that was back in the magical drama queen Roxy days. I did a shitload of interviews with a bunch of friends of mine about kind of about their experiences, and, and I've kind of been drawing on that ever since. But like Margaret Mead. <laughs> I remember uh, last couple of years we keep we keep hanging out at Emerald Cities and um, my friend Amy was was crashing over one year and she'd built a princess fort she called oh, right. it where she'd taken she'd kind of hang up hang up lights underneath a table and made this whole elaborate space for herself and I remember when she told Adam there was this immediate kind of just like I saw the gears turning <laughs> oh yeah okay. this is going right in the this oh no I, I have, that, that 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 is definitely a thing like the. I, I've never quite worked out the princess for, but I want right. to use it at some point. <laughs> but it's like I'll hear these random things in passing, like the like the imp has a uh, stuffed animal uh, metal Mr. Monkey yes. that uh, that it's that, one of those that terrifying sock monkeys. <laughs> oh yeah, but the idea is that it it prevents her from having bad dreams, and that's something one of my nieces mentioned at a birthday party. I was like, 
I gotta have that. <laughs> like, I'm grabbing it now. It's too good. And... And he couldn't make it anything cute, so it has to be one of those sock monkey things. Because <laughs> <laughs> if it was cute, it's too cloying, I guess. It is cute, though. Okay. <laughs> I'm wrong. In a nightmarish sort of way. Yeah. But I yeah. think that uh, that kind of attention to detail shows. Like, Sister Spooky's story is extremely resonant in a way that most comics about black superheroines are not. Like, as a guy who's read a lot, Cheryl, mm. me and you have bonded about this a whole lot. <laughs> but, like, well, you, really, you touched on something that's... Uh, kind of very vital to a certain kind of black experience mm. and you did it very well and I think it's a big reason why people latch on to your work oh. is that they can see themselves kind of reflected back I'm trying yeah. I'm trying so but. far so good don't mess up <laughs> <laughs> we're watching oh no uh -uh. Uh -uh. Um, you got a question yeah I've been a fan for uh, since this thing started and mm -hmm. your work okay, personally for you know a good long time well, thank you and, and just, just so you know how long I've been coming to these things, I was, I was here when, uh, when, when you were talking about Jose Delbo teaching you how to pronounce Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. So. I should say, <laughs> for, yeah, my, my teacher from the Cooper School brought, brought him over, and his musical pronunciation of his name is like, I cannot literally pronounce his name other than Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Have you seen Garcia him Lopez. at the show? He's here. I know he's here, but I, I can't bring myself to come up to it and say, uh, Mr. Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. But well anyway. That was uh, a little, a little uh, digression. Ah. <laughs> I've, I've been trying to get people into this for years by trying to tell them it's, just, it's, the, it's the perfect comic, basically. Oh, nice. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Uh, superhero uh, spandex fetish ass worship uh, <laughs> <laughs> BDSM comic with uh, romantic comedy overtones. If, uh, so there's something for everyone, really, and, just, <laughs> and well, you, you go. should go read this now. But, oh, nice. but, but that's not my question. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's your question? That's just a very small thing, minor thing that I've just been curious about for about 10 years. It, you, this might not even have an answer. You might not have thought about it even, but is hmm. Captain Rivet black? Oh, so the reason I ask is because he is, he is so obviously a steel rith. Oh. Now, he's, he's actually a stainless steel golem. Okay. That, so he's entirely non-human, basically. So. I did not know but that. was he ever? <laughs> I mean, there are all these characters that have gained superheroes. No, he, he, was, he was created. He's gotten STDs or whatever. So is that he way? Is an animated suit of armor, basically. Is what that makes sense why he's the only well-adjusted super homie. <laughs> <laughs> he has no childhood baggage. Now I, now I have a question. Your, mm. That was a good question that made me have a good question. Asa Latina, mm. is she Latina? Uh, actually, no, she was not intended to be. Okay. But there's some... Applicability. It, it, it was not intended to be, but could be. Yeah, not <laughs> that there's a pun involved. But I, I think that's really interesting with, um, not only with Empowered, but also with The Dirty Pair, mm. is that I've read a lot of your work thinking that a character was a different race than it turned out to be. Um, mm. I was talking with Brandon today, uh, today about The Dirty Pair, and I said, somewhere along the way, Kay started reading as black to me. <laughs> and I think it's when you started, um, when the work started being colored. And, um, mm. and she's very brown. Yeah. It's not, it's it's not, not that, that brown. it's the hair, because really? it's not as glossy. Because <laughs> you, have, you have like characters that are like really mm. tan, and especially yeah. you know with, with uh, manga, you'll have like, oh, that's the American with the blonde hair and like, right, the right. skin. But it was the fact that she did not have glossy hair in the, in the same way that Yuri did. I was right, like, right. Oh, okay, it's black. I didn't realize that. <laughs> or like when I was reading uh, Ninjet, I just assumed Ninjet was 
Asian. Yeah. And then I was like, oh no, she's not at all. He <laughs> fooled me again, dude. <laughs> you know? So I, I she's I, from I, Far Eastern New Jersey. <laughs> there you go. She's from where I am. Um, I had the as soon as Cheryl told me this, I was like, oh yeah. I, I for some reason I associate I, I associated the dirty pair with salt and pepper. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and I guess Moogie's Spanish. <laughs> Goodness, uh, that's not a real got a question too? touchstone. Yeah. Well, it is really interesting looking at uh, at Japanese characters and and, mm. and trying to look at them, you know, as best we can the way uh, Japanese readers would look at them because, you know, unless specifically designated, no matter what color a character's hair or eyes or whatever are, they're Japanese. Yeah. Mm. Because Americans look at a, you know, at a, at a blonde, blue-eyed, you know, sailor scout and go. That's the white girl, and she's not. She's not meant to be a white girl. Uh, blonde hair, just blonde hair and blue eyes, just means this is someone special. This is a main character, and uh, you know much has been written about the the color coding in Japanese character design, and it's all over the web, and it's really fascinating. And I'll stop talking now. Yeah, you should really look it up just for like enhancing your comics enjoyment because pink has taken over. Like, there's no reason for you to read The Simpsons as white. Like they're you know like they're that weird shade of yellow. Uh, their hair is all completely different, like styles and textures. But because of how we read, you know, how we read art in America, like they're the white family. But anyway, it's really I like that subject a lot. I think yeah, we're on the same is. page there. Yeah, it is. It's really fascinating stuff. Um, go for it. What's your question? For your materials, do you work with pencil? Like, are your finished art pencils, pencils or inks? I don't tell. It's it's all pencils, but it's a very dark kind of a, uh, like six B which is the softest commercial available, kind of two millimeter leads. It's that kind of lead holder type pencil. And I pencil them very dark, and then they get Photoshopped even darker at, at Dark Horse. So it, it gives a, I guess, a vaguely ink-like looking feel. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it seems looks finished. Like, yeah. it's like no, here it looks yeah. like the, this black and white cover, cover looks that ink. Okay, that, that, that's actual pure ink. Okay, so. I was wondering. Oh, oh, yeah, Adam's table, he's got a bunch of his originals, which are fascinating yeah. to look at. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's just I'm, like, your lines are so clear and like so like dark mm -hmm. that like dark, they do look mm -hmm. inked and then you're doing techniques that are, seem like you can't do them with ink, like pencils, so I was just wondering. Yeah, it's just kind of, I mean, that was kind of a thing. In fact, I should say that Empowered actually comes from the, it's back, back when I did conventional comics and I would do really tight, I would do roughs and really tight layouts and then in pencil, then I would recopy and blow those, or blow those up, recopy them you know, on, on artboard and then ink those. It was this incredibly t cumbersome experience. And complain to everybody. <laughs> no, 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 what pissed me off is like everybody, whoever saw my layouts, every motherfucking one of them yeah. would say they preferred my layouts to my finished pages that I would spend another month and a half on finishing. Like, uh -huh. I have a question. I, I'm sorry that I like jump in on everybody. So when now when you work with uh, when you're working as just a writer mm. do you provide the artist with your roughs because your roughs are like other people's finished work. I actually specifically <laughs> asked for that when I when I did the Empire special. Yeah. Just because I wanted, uh, yeah. just because our storytelling is very different, I wanted mm. to. Yeah, I, I usually do. I do roughs. I mean, they don't have to necessarily have to follow them, but it's okay. like that's kind of, I I have to do roughs as a writer, period, and then I translate them into script into panel descriptions and so that like kind of thing. You think visually. Oh yeah, and I can't get around okay, it. Okay, right. Which actually is probably a weakness as a writer that no. that my, or it's just that it was my I, or it's in terms of in terms of the applicability of other people drawing it. 
is that I think in such a specific visual thing that I need to see this has to be in the foreground, background, middle ground kind of thing, which is, that's kind of limiting to an artist to be locked into that kind of format. What I thought that was really, was really fascinating working with you was that um, I, I tend to pull back a lot more than you do, oh, and okay. I would show like three quarter views of backs of heads and things, and you would, you would write me back and specifically <laughs> like, say like you, like, you need to see the character's expression in these, so I kept putting... Um, I started doing a lot of their faces in the, yeah. the word balloons, which is a trick that I got from you as well. Yes. Yeah, except for, uh, except for I love the way Brandon was doing that, so I actually picked up, he would do this kind of distorted, almost frog-like kind of upshot of, of Amp in a balloon. I actually love that. In there. So I started doing that myself. But you did the, I remember you did the dirty pair kind of almost super deformed faces with no noses like that. Oh, yeah. Way back when. And I assume you got it from somewhere, but I saw you do it first, so. So it's yours now. It's lost. Yeah. Lost in all the manga influence. <laughs> yeah. um, I just saw like a single picture of for Empowered Deluxe Edition Volume Three. I was just wondering when the release date oh, yeah, on that was. That's late. That I assume Oops. that's late summer. It, we, that that's the cover to it. It will be collecting volumes seven through nine with a s load of bonus material as Yay. the normal thing, in um, a bullet in a bullet stopping and and shelf deforming <laughs> size. Like literally, it's deformed on my shelves where I, I keep them. So nice. Uh, and, and quick other question, um, when volume three comes out, uh, I, I imagine you might not know, but do you know uh, possibly if Dark Horse is going to put back out volume one because it's been out of print for yeah, a I'm while? Not, yeah, I'm not sure about that. That's a whole thing. I mean, uh, actually, yeah, I might as well ask, because this is, this is a subject of dispute between me and my editor on this, is do you perceive any value in the fact that the hardcovers are initially are limited edition? I've uh, never. I just wonder. I always ask whenever I sign one of them. I ask somebody like, "Does that mean anything to you that this was a limited edition, or no. do you care?" Does I, I, I never knew that they were supposed to be limited. <laughs> uh, be, because I mean, I mean, like the way I like figured it w was that it was like an omni buy in in the same hmm. way of Dark Horse's like yeah, manga or you know whatever uh, you know collections that they end up doing. We will probably do eventual Omnibuy based on the similar format at some point. It's just that, like the the original Amp Volume One still sells. It's still our top seller, and you know it. it every, every quarter, it's going back to press and still ma still making me money. And it's a great introduction to the series. I'm not sure how well an omnibus, a big omnibus, probably costing I don't know twenty thirty bucks is yeah. going to be, or more than that. No, They're like fifty a piece. Oh, well, you wouldn't make any money on it. But oh, yeah. Well, that, all right. More like 40, I suppose. Yeah. I say on my own books, they, they get a good price point. I mean, I've got four trade paperbacks collected into one big, you know, mm. bug-thumping tome, mm -hmm. and uh, that's still 25 bucks. So That's good. Not nice. Yeah. It's not a hardcover, though. But yeah, we will someday get to the get to the omnibus. I'm, I'm worried, a little worried about them cannibalizing individual volume sales. But on the other hand, there's so many volumes now; it's starting to get right. a problem to find them because some of them fall out of print and some are back in print. So we will eventually be doing omnibus. And I should also say, it's been in progress for years, and and it'll, but we will be reprinting Dirty Bear at some point. Yes. It's yes. it's Thank it's you. in yes. endless spiraling negotiations, but I can't see why it won't eventually happen. Nice. So. <laughs> in English, yes. Cool. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you're you. welcome. Uh, what do you have for us? Uh, 
Well, first off, I wanted to say, uh, again, I absolutely love your story, how lighthearted it is, absolutely hilarious, and yet so darn ominous as well, (laughs) considering (laughs) that you have so many characters that have horrible things happening to them, case in point, Sister Such as, uh, yes. Uh, So, good cue there. Um, And I'm just praying that something, like, she gets a pull up at some point in time, but uh, that's up to you, do what you want. and of course, uh, Emp's uh, metaphysical break, uh, calling you a homicidal maniac, <laughs> <laughs> so that you did in one of the volumes when oh, she right. found out that apparently people in your previous books also died, and she's freaking out. <laughs> oh um, yeah. And of course, in uh, one of your uh, one shots, the uh, temporal elevator scene. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, in Jet, which again, I'm like. Please no. But um, (laughs) the thing that has bothered me a little bit, and again, maybe I'm just missing the joke and uh, and Mm. stuff like this, but at the end of a lot of the volumes, you have Ninjet and Thug Boy talking about a were-giraffe by night, and I'm scouring the volumes (laughs) trying to find this dang thing. He, he's appeared several times in the background. Like, you can, you can see, it's, it's, this, it's this giraffe wearing these almost kind of these goggles. And he appears in, the, in some of the crowd scene backgrounds periodically. Okay. So he's the, like, he's there. Like, uh, with a description, maybe I'll find him this time. No, he's <laughs> lurking in the background. The I know he appears in the background of volume four at least once. Okay. I think volume five at least once. You have to, this, you'll see this little giraffe head mm-hmm. kind of poking out. And in fact, he actually. It actually, it turns out this is a bit of a detail. It turns out he's actually a super homie because you actually see him yeah. at a at a quorum meeting. Oh, you see a little my. screen of wear oh, giraffe okay. by night. Well, I'll read through him again. And see oh, he's there. He's there. Spot him now that I know I'm looking for a giraffe with goggles. Oh yeah, that's I it. love that. That's like uh, Todd McFarlane drawing Felix the Cat or uh, the One Piece guy doing Panda Man in random uh, chapters in the background. Like those little signature touches are always kind of cool. I just love this. I just want yeah. to please bring uh, back uh, Blunt Trauma and Shithouse Rat. <laughs> <laughs> bring back Shithouse Rat. Well, actually, well, Shithouse Rat is actually a legacy character. <laughs> you're, you're, yes, the new Shithouse Rat is, is this is younger female relative. Yes! <laughs> she actually appeared, actually, she might be on one of the covers in my portfolio because I originally drew her oh. on nine but never fit her into the story. Does she get to be a sexy pizza Shithouse Rat? <laughs> <laughs> Costume. Somebody made a sexy, sexy pizza rat costume. Wow! For Halloween, because it doesn't matter what costume it is for a girl, it has to be a sexy whatever. Wow. What a waste. Um, we've got about five minutes left. Uh, who among you wants to ask Adam one last question? Who's got some burning desire? I've asked Adam a million <laughs> questions. <laughs> I will let someone else take over. <laughs> uh, what about you? audience? Who wants to ring us out? I can do it, but there we go. I want to know your opinion on projects like this that start as little pet projects, pinups, things like that, that take over pretty much your entire career. Uh, this is a good example. The other big one would be, uh, I'm going to murder this, Stefan Zajac with his uh, Sunstone comic. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Start out not even under his name, and then now it's his full-time job. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is definitely kind of the... I should say before, the, yeah, before back, when, back when I still sort of had a career, and I, had, I actually had... I was lining up cliffhanger stuff for other artists, and I actually had a cliffhanger contract myself. Mm-hmm. But it was going to be a it's really kind of ambitious science fiction thing called Cannibal Sun. It was about to be a far future kind of like the Dirty Peril, only much further farther in the future. And I was doing all this research for it, and I was doing all this developmental stuff. And I was like, 
couldn't get started right away because I had to do more research and I had to work up designs and I had to do all these world building. It was very important to be world building, world building, world building. <laughs> and then the contract expired and the cliffhanger project, <laughs> all the cliffhanger line was gone. And so I, I never d did page one of this thing that mm -hmm. if I had just started, I could have at least gotten a couple couple issues in of that. I just imagine how much time J. Scott Campbell put into the world building of Danger Girl. <laughs> <laughs> She's like watching Tomb Raider and stops it. Like I'm set. <laughs> but it was like uh, the, all these grand, ambitious projects that that uh, that never went anywhere. They never got off the ground. And this kind of this goofy little throwaway thing kind of took on a life of its own and became the kind of biggest and most epic project of my career. Kind of without that, and it's like now. Now that's my kind of philosophy for telling people is like, you know, stop dicking around of world building. Stop wasting your time on developmental material and get on the frickin' page mm -hmm. as soon as you can. And don't don't worry, you know, don't 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 obsess over. Well, I haven't figured out how the political system of well, I imagined <laughs> my fantasy world uh -huh. lives. In it fact, really I, I did the same. I did the same garbage in high school. I just realized. Yeah. Like the, I did almost no comic pages in high school, but I did tons of developmental, stu de developmental stuff for this retard. Well, this idiotic. <laughs> sorry, but uh, it's okay. I'm, I'm flashing back to high school. You yeah. can say that, you can say that <laughs> freely, but it was a, this idiotic fantasy project that was completely moronic. But I, I never, I drew like two pages from it. But oh, I had, I had developmental material. So, so it's nice to know I repeated the same crap 20 years later. But <laughs> well, if it doesn't serve the story, then it bogs you down. Hmm. And that's what it comes down to. If it, you know, if you've got to continually shave, you know, new legs off of your your darling, <laughs> it's not quite the same as killing your darlings. Because, but you know, when you've got a mind that wants to play out every idea, you know, into you know, what what if it was this? What if it was that? What if it was that? You know, you're just, no, no, no. That's just the way it is, you know, because you will always come up with a new idea that actually works and yeah. serves the story oh, and yeah. isn't just going to be a distraction and a time suck. Oh yeah. Uh, I think that's one of the dangers of recommending uh, Shiro to people, like young cartoonists, oh. because he'll put footnotes about like political stuff that will never come up in the comic. <laughs> it's just like, hey, just in case you want to know how the judicial system works in this fake city I made up, <laughs> you know, like here's like 20 words that's about it right crazy. underneath some art. My favorite Shiro thing is the start of uh, Apple C or the start of Ghost in Shell 2, where it's it's like one of the opening pages, and there's three jets flying overhead of this this like sexy cyborg woman, and the quote says like. Actually, in reality, jets wouldn't fly over this in this, in this formation. But, but I just wanted it, it, the, the composition works much better this way, and it's just like so there. Not Bam. a photograph, and he's always talking about this stuff. That when I was a teenager, it would be like, oh, sure, really knows. But he's like, he's like, actual SWAT team guys would never break into a building this way. And it's just like, hold on, you're a you're a you're an '80s manga artist. What do you know about actual SWAT teams? <laughs> But uh, so the the answer is just make your comic. Like just get to it. That's the only way to get it done. And just get started. That's yeah. the big. But it comes really fascinating with things like Empowered, where the world building's there. But you must mm. have. And I always wonder with Finder too. Like you must have be constantly writing as you go. Nutshell, yes. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the, the kind of world building in Empowered just sort of built on its own, kind mm -hmm. of organically, which is the way you want to do it, as opposed mm -hmm. to. Having these giant sheets of. Because then you have like a checklist of things you have to hit to oh, yeah. justify all of your research. Like, well, it, it, it kills it. it. It absolutely kills it. It's no fun. Yeah. And actually, that's one, that's one, that's one of the annoying things that, that when people talk about Finder, when they mention world building. I'm so annoying. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. When people, people 
when they recommend Finder, they mention the world building man. It makes it sound, <laughs> but, but, but it makes it, it makes it sound like it makes it sound like uh, it makes it sound like it's a good for you vegetables. Kind oh of God! Thing. <laughs> like when it's 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 like fun and amazing and intense. And I just and, always hand it over to people and be like, look at this dude's chest hair. Chest hair. <laughs> I, because I did not want to derail what you were saying, I think I probably created a uh, you know a, a sexy male character as my protagonist for much the same reason that you have mm-hmm. you know imp. first I like to draw the chest hair for another you know it's just because <laughs> it, it it gave me something something different to explore mm. but um, but the the fact of the matter is um, the uh, the the world building is a thing that you don't that you. You, you assume is not taking place when you write a story set in the real world. You know, when you walk down the street, if you've got a know-it-all friend who knows everything <laughs> about that part of town and can tell you, you know, that such and such as delicatessen, you know, was first built in you know, 16 diggity two by the Dutch, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's really interesting if you're into that kind of thing, but, and you can see the traces of it, but it's not that important to the story. It's you know, to the story of you walking down the sidewalk, you know, um, and you've just got to, you know, keep it, leaving the flavor there, but not letting yourself get bogged down by it is this, this it's like surfing, you know, you've, you're, you're on the water, the water's moving, you're going forward, if you fall off, you know, you know, you wiped out, but, you know, um, if you stop and try to, you know, uh, you, you can't slow down a surfboard, you have to just keep moving forward. <laughs> And the momentum of the story has to be, you know, your, 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 your momentum moving forward. And, you know, everything else either keeps you moving forward or it wipes you out. And that's just the nature of it. Uh, but setting a story in the here and now is not really different in terms of world building. People just think it is. You don't need to know everything about the setting that you're putting something in. You just have to represent it as if people do. You know, if you set, you know, if you put a group of people in a living room, you know, there's going to be a certain kind of TV, a certain kind of furniture, a certain kind of whatever, you know, oh, Ikea, hooray, flat screen TV. And even 20 years into your past, it would look very different. Um, but those are the details that if you could give the flavor of that, you could suggest a rundown room in a science fiction scenario without having to go into all of the details of how manufacturing set it up in this this particular planet. As you know, John, IKEA <laughs> furniture. <laughs> but no, that, like just thinking about that, that's just really brilliant because a lot of, like, I have arguments about that because they say that like the world building or the culture is something that like is like an outside thing. And I'm like, no, that world building and that culture isn't every single thing. Ingrained so even if you're buying everything. like an old fa- Fantastic Four. It's just you just don't notice it because it is your culture, yeah. you know. But like like you said, with the TV, with the mm-hmm. with the architecture, with it's all you know. Part yeah. of the culture. Absolutely. So we are out of time, but I just want to say one last thing. We've covered comedy, uh, butts, horror, <laughs> storytelling. <laughs> like empowered is the total package. And I have to tell y'all, you total you obviously package. are fans of the comic, but it's nice just to sit and appreciate something sometimes. Huh. And Empowered is a book that I think is really, really worth appreciating. So oh, thank, thank you, you for making it. Uh, thank you for the rest of the panel for showing up and having a grand old time. And Sweet. thank you all for coming out. Can I get one last round of applause? Thank you. Thank you.